in late December 2017. Frank Gammon, the angriest man in Hornet Heaven, entered the atrium. He noticed that the head of programs, Bill Mainwood, was giving an orientation session to a new arrival over on the yellow leather sofas. Frank pointed tetchily at the new arrival, a squat, middle-aged man with milk-bottle glasses. What's he doing here? Now, now, Frank, you should never judge a man by appearances. He's wearing the clothes he died in, and those clothes tell me everything I need to know. He's a total... Frank, don't swear at the man. He'll have had enough of that back down on earth. Frank glowered at the new arrival. The man was wearing a black shirt, black shorts and black and white socks. There was a whistle on a string around his neck. Frank growled. Referees don't support Watford. They hate Watford. Get him out. His sort ain't welcome in Hornet Heaven. Hornet Heaven Series 6 Episode 1 The Official Story Written by Ollie Wickham Read by Colin Mace Earth Season 2017-18 The man in the milk bottle glasses and refereeing kit was upset, understandably. Dying hadn't been a great start to the day, and after that, thanks to Frank Gammon goading the crowd in the atrium, he'd found himself being widely booed and jeered in the place where he was to spend the rest of eternity. As a Watford fan himself, he was of the firm opinion that the crowd should have held back their very loudest abuse in case Rob Stiles somehow ever set foot in Hornet Heaven. The referee felt better, though, when Bill Mainwood took pity on him and led him down Occupation Road to the seclusion of the Bill Mainwood programme hut to finish the orientation session. The previous summer, the hut had been converted into the Bill Mainwood Man Cave. Now, inside the small, cosy space, the referee relaxed into one of the yellow and black striped deck chairs surrounded by nostalgic Hornet memorabilia. The head of programme said, well, I really must apologise for the rude reception you received earlier. Suddenly, the door to the man cave burst open. In walked Bill's 13-year-old assistant, Derek Garston. Hello, sir. I was just... Oh, who's the wanker in the black, sir? Derek, get out. Now. Derek left. Bayek. The lip never seems to stop up here. I mean, I don't believe all fans in Hornet Heaven actually hate referees, but something about seeing a man in a black kit just seems to raise their ackles. It's like I symbolise their broken dreams or something. Yes, you may be right. Just looking at you, I'm thinking back to the 1950 FA Cup tie against Manchester United and the clear goal the referee rolled out. I want to blame you. In fact, I think I do. 
but I've done nothing wrong to Watford fans. I'm a Watford fan myself. I'm one of the Watford family. People forget that every referee is a human being underneath. Sorry, that was possibly a little harsh. After all, you don't seem quite as inhuman as many of the referees that are scarred into my memory. I'm thinking of Roger Milford, Stuart Atwell, Alan Seville, John Hunting. The referee waited while Bill finished reciting a list of referees responsible for crimes against the Ornets. Several minutes later, Bill said, And, of course, Lee Probert. The referee couldn't believe he'd been mentioned in the same breath as such evil men guilty of such terrible wrongdoing. That's not fair. You can't tar me with the same brush as that lot. I weren't a professional referee. I only officiated in local football. I didn't ref at the highest level because I didn't have the necessary personality deficiencies. Really? Many fans would argue that all referees are sociopaths. Well, I'm not. If anything, it's the fans who are sociopaths for projecting their frustrations onto me. The truth is that I'm just an ordinary Watford fan who loves football and wanted to give back to the game at grassroots level in my spare time. Well, when you put it like that, you seem like a good man. Thank you. No one's ever said that to me before when I've been wearing this kit. The referee peered down through his glasses and contemplated wearing his refereeing kit for the rest of all time. He shook his head sadly and said, Back on earth, players and fans wished I were dead. And now I'm here. Everyone wishes I weren't dead. I can't win. Well, I'm here to help. What we need is a way of getting people up here to accept the presence of a referee among us. Have you got any ideas? Suddenly, the referee felt more optimistic. I know. You could put me in charge. <laughs> put a referee in charge? Give free rein to a deep-seated psychotic need to boss everyone around? Oh, that would be one of the worst ever decisions seen at Vicarage Road. And that's saying something I can tell you. The referee sank back into his deck chair in disappointment. We need a far better solution than that. Let's go and see the man who is in charge up here. He might have some ideas on how to make a referee in Hornet Heaven acceptable. Come on. The referee went with Bill Mainwood to the swanky gallery restaurant in the southwest corner of the stadium. This was where, Bill said, they'd find Henry Grover, the man who founded Watford Rovers in 1881, the father of the club. The referee was confident that a man of such great esteem would surely set an example to everyone else in Hornet Heaven by having due respect for officialdom. When he stepped inside the restaurant, the referee dithered momentarily. 
He wasn't sure he was properly dressed for such a swanky restaurant. Suddenly, he heard a loud voice say, You don't know what you're doing! You don't know what you're doing! Ha <laughs> ha! Look at the absolute state of this fellow! Henry Grover was sitting in one of the restaurant's semicircular booths with Johnny Allgood, the man who, in 1903, had become Watford's first ever manager. No, no, Henry. I think we can do better than that. Ah, yes, quite right, Johnny. OK, uh, how about... Who's your father? Who's your father? Who's your father, referee? You ain't got one, you're a bastard, you're a bastard, referee. Things weren't going the way the referee had hoped. He actually felt close to tears as he finally made his way over to the booth with Bill. When they'd sat down, Bill said, Anyway, Henry, I thought that, as father of the club, you might have some ideas on how we could make the presence of a referee more acceptable to fellow residents. Henry immediately made a suggestion. Ah, ah, I know. Do we have any medieval stocks in Hornet Heaven, Bill? I'd love to throw a putrid tomato or two at a referee. I mean, look at this man's officious sneer. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see it wiped from his face by a slowly descending veil of rancid custard? The referee felt this was definitely unfair. Down on earth, in his bedroom, he'd often practised pointing and whistling in the mirror, and he hadn't thought he looked officious at all. In all heaven, he reckoned, he was pretty much indistinguishable from any other Watford fan, apart from his refereeing kit. That, and the sadness in his eyes at the constant vilification he was receiving. He heard Johnny Allgood say, I don't think locking the man up was quite the kind of thing Bill meant, Henry. Ooh, in that case, perhaps we should release him. Give him a slight head start and give chase. Les Simmons knows where the pitchforks are kept. I do love a good angry mob. That's just vindictive, Henry. If anything, we should be looking for a positive way of harnessing this man's talent. Talent? Referee? No, Johnny, I simply can't compute what you're saying. Honestly, man, show him some respect. This is a man who knows the laws of the game and how they should be applied. Ha! Applied to penalise Watford unfairly, you mean, Johnny? That's what all referees do. I bet he thinks Tony Coton really did bring down Ian Rush in the 1986 FA Cup quarter-final replay. As a matter of fact, I watched that game. Our aunt family Terrace is a young lad, mind you. I can't claim I saw the incident clearly. In which case, you should definitely go through the ancient turnstile to watch Coton's challenge again. It was never a penalty. It was a typical example of the kind of injustice that your sort has invariably handed out to Watford over the years. You're all monsters. Monsters. The lot of you. The referee stared at Henry Grover despondently. He couldn't take this anymore. He shouldn't take it. Well, if I did go and look at it again, 
At least I'd be able to make an expert judgment. I'm more qualified than you. More qualified than anyone else up here, probably. The referee suddenly felt Bill's hand on his arm. Golly, that's it. That's how we could get you respected by fans in Hornet Heaven. We could make you a guide on one of my magical history tours. As a qualified referee, you provide a second opinion on controversial refereeing decisions that went against the Orns. Now we're talking. I could give you the official story. I'd be... I'd be like Graham Paul in the BT Sport Truck. Next to him, Johnny Allgood grimaced at the realisation he was in the presence of a man who wanted to be like Graham Pohl. You know, gentlemen, I don't think this is a good idea. Nonsense, Johnny! This is a great idea. Imagine it. We'd have verification from an official source that Andy Gray headed the ball out of Steve Sherwood's secure grasp. We'd have authentication that Reading's ghost goal was a heinous wrong inflicted on our club. After all these years, we'd have closure. Henry leaned over and planted a big kiss on the referee's forehead. You're welcome here. Everyone in Hornet Heaven is going to love you. The referee went back to the atrium with Bill. They found Frank Gammon still there. Frank didn't seem at all pleased to see the referee again. He screamed a string of swear words so foul that he'd only ever shouted them at Luton fans before. Now, now, Frank. I was thinking you might like to join us on a magical history tour. In the interest of eternal harmony, our friend here could... Friend? The only referee that's a friend is Kevin Friend. My idea was that this man could give us his expert verdict when we revisit a match where a referee did us wrong. But how would you choose which game to go back to? There's been dozens of criminal decisions this season alone. Troy's Red at home to Huddersfield. Ziegler's at Burnley. Gah! That one still makes me livid. Lee Probert is the worst of the lot. He's a complete... The word Frank used to describe Lee Probert caused the referee to take off his glasses and dab at his eyes for several seconds. As he dabbed, he began to think that perhaps Bill's plan wasn't going to work after all. Maybe he had to face the fact that Watford fans would never accept a referee in their midst, not for the rest of eternity. But then he remembered the inspiration he'd felt when he'd first heard Bill's idea in the gallery restaurant. He remembered how much he really, really wanted to be like Graham Pohl. He pulled himself together and said, If that's how you feel about Lee Probert, Frank, we should check that you're justified. Oh, I'm justified, all right. He's a total and utter... Now, now, that's just name-calling. As a qualified official, I could give you an expert assessment of his performance. It'll only tell me that Lee Probert's an even bigger... No! We need to review his decision-making properly. 
I've got a particular incident in mind. It were down at Bournemouth on Friday the 30th of January 2015. I'll fetch the programmes. The referee took Bill and Frank through the ancient turnstile. They arrived at the Gold Sand Stadium, Bournemouth. They only had to wait 25 seconds before the abomination occurred. Gabriel Angela, with Craig Cathcart covering him, tripped the Bournemouth striker Callum Wilson 30 yards out from Watford's goal. Referee Lee Probert produced a red card. Watching the incident again from all in heaven, the new arrival felt exactly the same sensations that all Watford fans felt the first time around. For a few moments, he felt hollow with disbelief. Then anger poured into the void, a boiling anger that wanted to explode out of him. His mind felt like it was bending with fury. But he managed to keep just enough control of himself to say with calm conviction from his official perspective, that's categorically not a red card. Lee Probert has got that wrong. He's made a mistake there. Golly, I feel quite a bit better for you saying that, Ref. It takes the edge off my rage. And how's it working for you, Frank? Yeah, feels good. I guess there's nothing like a little bit of vindication to improve the mood of a football fan. In Hornet Heaven, you see, we miss out on that. We never get to hear the media giving their verdicts on refereeing decisions. At home to Spurs this season, I would have felt a lot better afterwards if I could have heard a studio pundit saying he reckoned Eric Dyer's handball was a stonewall pen. Quite. We've never had that satisfaction. And after we lost 4-1 at home to Huddersfield, it wouldn't have hurt nearly as much if I got to hear someone on telly saying their first goal was offside all day long. Any old washed-up ex-pro could have said it. I wouldn't have minded. As long as it got said. Exactly, Frank. But now, with this man here among us, we'll have proper verification. Right. I like this feeling. I want you to come with me, ref. We'll go back and we'll watch every injustice ever. You can tell me I'm officially right to feel wronged. The referee grinned. He liked being appointed to pass judgment. It appealed to something inside him, something deep and innate. Suddenly, though, he heard Frank grunt. Hang on a minute. That'll only sort out the old games. We'll need something for the new games too, in real time, as the atrocities are happening. How do you mean, Frank? A kind of VAR to check decisions during the game? Exactly. We need VAR. Well, I, I don't quite know how we do that. But the referee knew. He stepped in and took control. Right, y'all. I've got the answer. I'll be the VAR. The validating afterlife referee. 
Leave it to me. I'll come up with a system and run the whole thing. A few days later, on December the 30th, VAR was in place in Hornet Heaven for Watford's Premier League home game against Swansea City. The referee had devised a very straightforward system. He simply followed the real-world match referee, Martin Atkinson, all over the pitch. Every time Atkinson made a decision, Hornet Heaven's validating afterlife referee in his milk-bottle glasses and baggy black shorts would thrust his hand up into the air with either a thumbs-up or a thumbs-down. Good decision, Martin. Oh, dear, Martin, you've dropped a clanger there. He was so pleased with what he was doing that each time he provided his instant second opinion, he couldn't help providing a smug smile, too. The crowd cheered and booed his verdicts like a raucous pantomime audience. A few people shouted out that VAR had turned the spectacle into a farce, but he just shouted back, If you want correct decisions, there's a price to pay. He was most pleased, though, when the key moment of the match arrived with four minutes left on the watch. Watford were one up when Andre Gray failed to accept a gilt-edged chance at the rookery end. Sixty seconds later at the other end, Swansea swung in across from their right wing. Their substitute centre-forward rose at the far post and headed the ball back across the goal. Jordan Ayew, totally alone in the six-yard box, turned it into Watford's net. In the land of the living, Martin Atkinson signalled a goal, and the linesman ran away up the touchline with his flag at his side. But in hornet heaven, the validating afterlife referee stood in the Watford goalmouth with his arm raised. He turned his thumb down. Offside! Pure and simple! The Hornet Heaven crowd roared its approval. The referee, beaming with pride, drew a rectangle in the air with his hands and signalled for an indirect free kick to Watford. It didn't matter, he told himself, that, in the real world, the game was restarting with a score at one all. In Hornet Heaven, fans who'd been feeling robbed by shipping a late goal to the bottom team would now have the consolation of official verification of that feeling. He had the power to heal their pain. As he ran off after Martin Atkinson again, he allowed himself a punch of the air in jubilation. His VAR system had been a triumph. He finally felt accepted in Hornet Heaven. After the match, the referee walked up Occupation Road. He was holding his head high. Swansea had gone on to score a second goal, a perfectly good last-minute winner, but no referee in heaven or earth would ever have ruled that one out. He reflected that he'd been a crowd-pleaser for Swansea's first goal and kept his integrity for their second. Watford fans everywhere may have been plunged into a gloom that couldn't be tempered by a sense of injustice, but personally, he'd done a great job. No one could criticise him. He was approaching the Hornet's shop, feeling good, when, suddenly, 
Frank Gammon came up to him and jabbed an angry finger into his chest. Oi! Swansea's second goal was offside too, but you stuck your bloody thumb up. The referee adjusted his glasses and replied calmly, Steady on, Frank. I understand you're upset, but the second goal wasn't offside. It bloody was offside. And you know it. You're a bloody cheat too, as well as Atkinson. Now, now, Frank, I'm not a cheat. You don't hate me. You're just projecting your frustrations onto me. Can you not see that? Projecting my frustrations onto you? Shut your bloody psychobabble. You're not fit to referee. You're not fit to referee. A number of other fans heard Frank and saw the referee. Watford had lost, and they weren't happy. The referee was right there in front of them, the perfect place to bear the brunt of their anger. Soon, about a hundred other fans had joined in with Frank's chant. The referee ran away. The referee hid in the atrium. In his baggy shorts, he sat cross-legged on the floor between the shelves that housed programmes from the earliest games in Watford's history. Back then, the men who were appointed referees commanded respect. If you knew Major Weatherington had killed 40 men in the Boer War, you didn't give him any back chat. After some hours, the referee looked up and saw a face he knew. It was Johnny Allgood. Ach, well, I never. It's Graham Poole. Yes, touche. I have to admit I may have let my ego get the better of me. So, how are you feeling about the VAR shenanigans? After his hours of reflection, the referee had changed his mind. I'll tell you, the whole idea of VAR is daft. Martin Atkinson made a decision. Then I made a decision about his decision. And now the fans have made their own decision on my decision about his decision. It solves nothing. Aye, you're right. People just aren't thinking straight. Frank Gammon hates referees. But apparently he wants more referees. It doesn't make sense. Aye, you're right. It's madness to change an officiating system that has worked for more than a century just because fans get upset when something goes against them. Fans are passionate. They'll be upset however a decision's arrived at. And they'll still need to find someone to blame. I mean, you've seen it for yourself. Ever since I set foot in Orny Heaven, I've been abused just because of what I happen to be wearing. This kit brings out so much pent-up resentment. Well... There's a simple answer. Don't wear it. What? You mean go naked in only heaven for the rest of eternity? Oh, dear. You don't want to see that. I mean, wear something else. But these are my only clothes. I'm stuck with them forever, aren't I? I know a way to get a replica shirt out of the Hornet's shop, if you want to wear one of those instead. Really? You mean I could be an ordinary fan? Not an eight figure? Aye. It's a no-brainer. 
really. The referee fell into silent thought because it wasn't quite a no-brainer. For years, being a referee had been part of his identity. People had also known him as a husband, a father, an accountant and a Watford fan. But being a referee had given him attention, status and authority. He'd enjoyed those things. He'd have to sacrifice them. He tuned back in to what Johnny was saying. If you give up that kit, the character assassinations will stop. No one will be able to accuse you of being a little Hitler or an exhibitionist on a power trip. Well, that would be nice. No, I'm going to give it one last go. Maybe I can change Frank Gammon's mind about refs. Oh, well, good luck with that, because I don't believe football fans will ever properly appreciate referees. They only remember the times they think they've been wronged. They forget the times they're helped. There's a reason Bill Mainwood doesn't have a magical history tour entitled Thanks, Ref. Look, I know what you're saying, but I just feel I should try to change people's views on behalf of referees everywhere. The referee watched as the old man stood up and headed away from the shelves. A few steps later, Johnny stopped and said, Let me know if you do ever want a change of shirt. During the next couple of weeks, the referee thought hard about what Johnny Olgood had said to him. Not the thing about getting a new shirt. Instead, he thought hard about the idea of a thanks ref magical history tour. He ended up talking to Bill Mainwood about it, and together they went ahead and designed a tour to old Watford games where the Orns benefited from controversial refereeing decisions. Bill then managed to persuade Frank Gammon to join them on the tour without telling him the tour's title, of course. First, they went to Watford's first ever game in the top flight, at home to Everton in August 1982. Pat Rice misdirected a free kick from in front of the main stand and Everton's keeper, Neville Southall, caught the ball beneath the bar. To most people's amazement, the referee awarded a goal. Watford fans were delirious. Next, they went to the 1987 FA Cup quarter-final against Arsenal at Highbury. With two minutes left, the linesman flagged for a foul by Steve Sims in Watford's penalty area. The referee waved play on, and Luther Blissett scored. Then the referee consulted the linesman. Every Watford fan expected the ref to disallow Luther's goal and award Arsenal a penalty. But he let the goal stand and Watford were into the semi-final. Watford fans were delirious again. Finally, they went to the first game of the 2017-18 Premier League season at home to Liverpool. In the last minute, Miguel Britos, standing in an offside position on Liverpool's goal line, bundled the ball home to make it 3-3 and earn a rare point against a big six side. The referee let the goal stand. More delirium. 
After the tour, the referee walked up Occupation Road with Frank and Bill. So, tell me, Frank, did you enjoy that? I loved it. Getting the rub of the green like that always feels brilliant. And did you love the refs? For the decisions they made? Love the refs? No chance. I loved fate smiling on us. The referee realised the tour hadn't worked. Fate? It were the refs. Honestly, Frank, I don't get it. You hate the refs when decisions go against you, so surely you should love the refs when... Listen, mate, I get what you're saying, but I ain't feeling it, all right? You took me to some old games and I loved the games, not the refs. The referee watched Frank walk off. He'd lost all hope that the man's feelings about match officials could ever be changed. Later that day, Saturday, January the 13th, the referee went to Watford's Premier League home game against Southampton. He still hadn't taken up Johnny Allgood's offer. He was still in his refereeing kit. He watched the game from the rookery. He noticed that Frank Gammon was there too, a few seats along. Watford went 2-0 down before half-time. They pulled one back through Andre Gray, but... As the final whistle approached, they were heading for a defeat that would drag them into a relegation battle. Watford fans weren't happy. Then, with a minute to go, Roberto Pereira chipped the ball into the Southampton penalty area at the rookery end. Troy Deeney nodded the ball across the face of the goal. Abdullah Dekori ran forwards and deflected the ball into the net with his right hand. Watching from Hornet Heaven, the referee had a perfect view of the incident. It was a clear handball. But very quickly he realised that the real world referee, Roger East, hadn't spotted it. Roger East was allowing the goal. He screamed with delight. In his joy, he turned towards Frank Gammon with his arms aloft. He saw Frank bouncing manically, punching the air. Then their eyes met. Suddenly, Frank started pushing past other fans towards the referee. He was waving a clenched fist. From recent experience, the referee thought he'd probably better make a run for it. But before he could get away, Frank reached him. Frank had a look in his eye that the referee had never seen before. Frank had been overwhelmed by the emotion of the new game in a way that he hadn't at the old games on the Magical History Tour. The gruff old man suddenly leaned in and kissed the referee on the forehead, exactly the way Henry Grover had done in the gallery. Frank said, You're welcome here. Everyone in Orny Evan is going to love you now. A few minutes later, the referee was sitting on Frank's shoulders in his milk bottle glasses and refereeing kit, being chaired up Occupation Road. Frank shouted in ecstasy, 
Thank God for crap referees. The referee's an hero. The referee's an hero. The referee had no idea whether this was for fun or for real. Either way, he leaned down and said, Come off it, Frank. You're overdoing it. I'm not really an hero. Frank replied, What's wrong? I'm just projecting my delight onto you. The referee would have held up his hands and said touche, but he needed them for clinging on to Frank. Instead, he just laughed. As he headed up the slope, on Frank's shoulders, the referee felt happy at last. He finally felt welcome in Hornet Heaven. His previous attempts to become welcome, trying to be Graham Pohl bringing in VAR and taking Frank Gammon on a thanks ref magical history tour, had all failed. But thanks to the ineptitude of Roger East, he was riding high. For now, at least. He couldn't imagine a referee in Hornet Heaven ever enjoying a better moment than this. They drew level with the Hornet's shop. Generations of relieved Hornets in replica shirts from many eras were swarming across the junction. The referee watched them. He felt a connection with them. And he came to a decision. He'd always been a Watford fan. But since he'd been in Hornet Heaven, he'd stood out as different. It was time to take up Johnny Allgood's offer. He wanted to be at one with everyone else. He jumped down off Frank's shoulders, shook Frank's hand and thanked him. He went over and looked at the window display of clothing. He reckoned he quite fancied wearing an away shirt. So he was grateful the away kit was red this season, not black. He never wanted to wear black again. It was a part of his identity he wanted to shed. From now on, the only part of his identity that he wanted to express was the one that mattered to him most. The same one that bonded every resident in Hornet Heaven for eternity. He entered the shop. 100% an Hornet. The end. The next episode of Hornet Heaven will be Series 6, Episode 2. Hornet Heaven was created and written by Watford fan Ollie Wickham. It was read by Watford fan Colin Mace. It was produced by Watford fan John Mooney. Music by Watford fans Steve Joy and Jeff Wickham. <laughs> <laughs>